<clears throat> right. Oh, yeesh. Um, to see things like you do, that song has in it. Father, just pray that as we look at your word now, uh, we'd see things like you do. Father, your spirit would open our eyes, our sort of like spiritual eyes, so that we see things like you do. Father, we don't want to make things important that to you aren't, and we don't want to n- negate things and ignore things that are important to you. Father, I want your perspective on stuff. I want to see things like you do. By your spirit, take your written word and speak it into our lives so that we can see things like you do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, we're in 1 Corinthians uh, 5 in our study of 1 Corinthians, which come in chunks. Laura's given me all of chapter 5 and half of chapter 6, and that's not going to happen. Um, so we'll, we'll start and see how we go. There's a lot of stuff here, but I'm going to pull bits together from it. Um, and so I'm going to, there'll be a challenge for the team up there to get the right bits at the right time. Um, the, I just wanted a bit of an intro into this before we get onto the actual text. So the whole thing is about a situation in the church in Corinth. And you remember, Corinth was a Roman colony by this stage in Greece, very wealthy, a seaport. And it was a byword for like sexual immorality and, and there were uh, uh, shrines, Aphrodite, and, 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 and shrine um, uh, uh, prostitutes and all manner of stuff going on. The word Corinthians was used as a, as a, sort of a byword in those times for uh, looseness of sexual morality. And in that situation, a church grew up, Paul planted it, and Paul's writing to that church and sorting out some of the problems. Um, and we have you know, two Corinthian letters part of that. There's probably a third letter we haven't got. You know, the New Testament isn't all the correspondence. It's the stuff the Holy Spirit thought was worth putting together for our edification. So we can't entirely piece together the total seam of events. And there's no doubt that this bit, chapter 5 and first half of chapter 6, is about sexual morality. We can't duck that. But I want to say that I think... The issue Paul's grasping with is is focused in that because that's the thing that happened in the church. But it's actually really about, fundamentally, if you go through the two chapters, about that problem of law and grace, of of where my freedom in Christ, which we have, amen, hits the the, the law, the the morality, the, the sin, the fact that actually Jesus died on the cross because mankind was sinful. Uh, there's a off-quoted saying, I think Augustine actually, uh, someone's going to correct me, Where's, oh, I think he's gone now, uh, our theology scholar, so he won't. Um, he got a really good mark on his Augustine essay though. Yes! <laughs> um, Augustine I think says, uh, love God and do what you like. You can take that the wrong way. But he, he's right in a way, isn't he? If you truly love God, am I, uh, yeah? then you can do what you like, because what you like will be to what God likes. Do you get me? And it's that nexus, it's that tension between the freedom we have in Christ from law. So this week, I've had a really stressful week. Say it um, I've said goodbye to my four grandsons. Um, if you were to go in my bedroom, don't go in my bedroom. It's a complete tip. But I currently have, a, I currently have, this is so sad, I don't know why I'm saying this, I currently have one of Ezra's shirts and, and uh, Simeon's toothbrush. I have four little artifacts from the four of them. I keep touching and thinking, oh, I miss you. Say, <laughs> ah, so, uh, and then think what a sad person you are. 
I started off Lent. I started off Lent. My Lent discipline was to give up coffee. Uh, of course, I don't do it on Sundays because um, that's the way I do this stuff. And um, and I have Sundays quite often, uh, it has to be said. Um, but, <laughs> but to be honest, I've given up. It's been such a stressful week. I've needed the coffee. And at one point, I thought, Lord, I'm just giving this up this year. Lent hasn't happened this year. I'm sorry about that. It's like, I just need this coffee. Do you get it? Does God feel bad about that? Do I feel bad about that? It's law. I don't want to be on the law. I don't want to be bound by regulations. Agreed? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, Paul says, there is freedom, there is liberty. But on the other hand, you can take that too far. In Corinth, there was, and indeed in Greek philosophy, there was, there was a stream, which we don't really get these days. In fact, we almost get in our culture the reverse. They had a stream of thinking, which was uh, like the body is just like nothing at all. The real me is a soul. In fact, one of them says, I'm a soul encased in a corpse. And if you have that sort of philosophical, philosophical background, then, then you can get to the point where what your body does doesn't matter. Do you, understand? Do you get that? Because the real me is like soul. I don't believe in soul. The Bible believes in soul either, actually, but that's what the Greeks did. That's the real bit of me, my internal life. And the body is nothing. And therefore, if it eats the wrong stuff or, or has sex with the wrong people, that's really, it doesn't matter. Because the body is... That is not the Bible's understanding. We are whole people. We're not just body. Our culture, of course, tends to go the other way. We tend to think only body, and we have trouble in our culture believing they're spiritual. Agreed? Right? I mean, we, we're too easy to believe it's all biochemistry. Which I guess is some of the fear people have about, about virus and stuff. It's all biochemistry. And not being understanding that we are spiritual people. But the body isn't nothing. Lord Jesus died and was raised again as a body. Phil Paul in chapter 6, he's going to teach about the fact we'll have a resurrection body. It won't be quite like this one, but it will be continuous, contiguous with it. I don't understand that in detail. But it matters. It matters how I live in the body because it's part of the whole person that is Chris Clare. And sometimes... The, the interaction of those two is unbelievably obvious. And sometimes you can forget about it. Paul was talking to a congregation of people, a church that's very new, very, um, uh, you know, in their Christian faith, and the Christian faith is new for a start, in a certain culture, and there's an issue that's come up. And he addresses the issue absolutely straight on. But like I say, I think the fundamental thing, this particular issue is important, but it's the whole thing about, as... God's people, we have to live in the glorious freedom of the sons of God and yet recognize that we have to live right, that it matters how we live, that God sees us as whole people. Do you get that or not? Okay, so let's go into text. I'm going to come to your side of the thing for a minute. Ha-ha! It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not, even, does not occur even among pagans. A man has his father's wife and you are proud. Hold it there. And you are proud. That's Firstly, the situation is there's someone in the church uh, who's obviously a fairly prominent member of the church, a believer, who was having an affair or married to his father's wife. Possibly his father was dead. It's probably not his mother. It's probably a step-parent. But whatever, it is a thing that was banned by the law. Hundreds of references in Deuteronomy about that sort of thing. And also, indeed, by the culture. And, and Paul's point here is, is that's wrong. 
And the chap should be doing it. But, but worse, you, plural, are proud. The church had been happy with this. And it, it looks to me as if the church was so strong on their freedom from law that they sort of say, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how we live. We are the church of Corinth. We know what we're doing. We are the famous, we are the great Christians in this area and we know what we're doing and we're proud of that. And we're proud of the fact that we can do what we like. We can break the laws. doesn't quite say that. But Paul's condemns in the next few verses you'll see, he has a go at the church for not dealing with this issue, but not even just ignoring it. I mean, I think in the Western society, in churches I've been involved in in my years, <laughs> you might very well find situations where people pretend they don't know, turn a blind eye. Yes? Not my business. But Paul, but I, I get the impression in Corinth, the church is going the other round. They say, yeah, we're, we're fine with this. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief? And this is you, plural. This is the church. And have put out of your fellowship the man who did this. Man, of course, always men. Say yes, sir. In the day of women, it's always men. Um, that's not quite true, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I won't share that, Lord. Okay. Um, C.S. Lewis has this thing. It's completely not to the sermon at all. But C.S. Lewis has this thing about, about desires. Have you, you anyone know this about sex? I think it comes in Less of Malcolm, chiefly a prayer, but it may not. But he says, look, appetites are given, presumably, for good reason. So I'm hungry because I need food or I'll die. Agreed? I'm thirsty because I, I need water. If I eat every time I'm hungry, I'll get fat, but, you know, but not too badly. But he says, for some reason, the sex drive in men is out of all proportion to the requirement it needs. A healthy young man, if he had sex every time he felt like it, would pop in a small village in a week. And it's always, <laughs> and it's always struck me the truth in that resonates. Anyway, that's all there. How do I get on to that? Oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> Here's a bloke who's done this. But we're all, this is the particular thing he's worried in. But the general thing where we respond to the truth that we must be holy people, not sinful people, and where that tension comes with grace and not law, we don't want to move into a place where we're legalistic. We don't want to be in a place where there's rules and things to obey. We want to be in a place where we're under grace, but a grace that recognizes God's absolute, complete, radical holiness. And that stuff we do wrong isn't just like, no, it's okay. It is law. It sent Jesus to the cross. And that balance, that tension, is the hard place to keep. And that's what I think this is about for us today. Hang on. Even though I'm not, is that to get to? Put out of fellowship. So the church, he has a go at the church for not dealing with this. This is a clear thing that was wrong, that even the pagans thought was wrong. It will call the church disrepute, but also it's bad for the bloke himself, and the church hasn't dealt with it. He's getting at the church. As a community of God's people. Notice, not the leaders. I, I, I don't quite know where I land this in our culture. But he doesn't get at the leaders of the church. He gets at the community of the church. For somehow not being a fellowship that does that responds to this. A fellowship that I suppose in a way had enough clarity theologically. But also enough care for each other to want to deal with this. It ain't good for this chap. It goes on. Uh, I'm present, so he's himself. I, even though I'm not, not 
physically present because he's somewhere else writing a letter. I'm with you in spirit, and I've already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as I will present. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, for the full title notice, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan so that sinful nature may be destroyed, sinful nature sarks the flesh, and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know? I'll come to that in a second. Let's break it there. Halfway through verse 6. Paul says, look, you've got to put this, this chap out of fellowship, but it's not just to punish him. Punishment like this discipline, in a sense, is always to restoration. Notice there's some, some subtle things here. He uses the phrase, hand over to Satan, which is perhaps a language we wouldn't normally use, but it's true. There's a warfare going on. But Satan only has authority as God allows it. And take the example of Job or Hermeneus and other things in the New Testament, you know, where God sometimes allows Satan to have, but always, <laughs> if he has authority over our bodies, over our health and our welfare, it's always to move us to restoration. It's towards something. Paul isn't wanting to discipline this chap just to show who's boss. It's not discipline to just sort of say, you didn't play the rules, bad boy. It is because I want you to come to a place where you're saved. It's always towards restoration. Point one, really. Church discipline should be towards restoration. And, and fellowship should be towards that. The attempt that I might make failingly to talk to my brother in Christ if I see them falling into sin, or they to me, should always be towards restoration. Because that's what is going on here. And and we don't know, and I wish we did know, uh, there's, a, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians, the second letter to Corinth, uh, about first chapter 2 or something, rather, I don't actually quite reference this, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, don't look it up, um, where, where Paul's talking about restoring to fellowship someone who's, who's now been forgiven, which I like to think was this story. We don't know that, it could be somebody else, because there is, I say, this third letter we haven't really got, so we haven't got the full, the full transcript. All right, but I, some of the commentators agree with me as well. I love it when the commentators agree with me. I'm, of course, right. And uh, scholars. But some, they think as well that may be the case. And I'd love to think that's the case. But when there was, the church responded to this and said, you can't live like that as a Christian, mate, he confessed and came back to fellowship. But that's what it's about. If discipline happens, it's a waste towards restoration. It's getting heavy. Are you okay with this? Take, take 30 seconds. Talk to the person next to you. Pick up what's been said so far. Just talk to each other. Go on. Make it chat about it. Chat about it. You've got about a minute and a half. Just chat about it. I don't want to be heavy in me. Talk about it. Talk about it. Unearth it. If it. Just laugh at it if you want to. Laugh at me if you want. Laugh at me having, having to go to bed with a toothbrush from my three-year-old grandson cuddling it. Laugh at that, but I don't care. But just talk about it. Let's break it.
I want to just temporarily dip. Don't get... Uh, uh, no, what's your name? Neil. Neil, if you want to, you can get there, but I'm going back. We're going to come back and land in um, verse 7, 8, and 9. But I want to just dip in chapter 6, because otherwise someone might tell Laurie I only did half a sermon, and I'll, I'll be in trouble, and he'll stop paying me. Oh, no, he doesn't. Okay, okay so... Um, but I want to dip into chapter 6. I, 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 read it, read it. There's more here I can deal with, really. I think it's on this theme consistently, though, if you ask me. But anyway, but chapter 6, so chapter 6, verse 12. I think Paul might be quoting himself. Chapter 6, verse 12, he says, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. We don't know, but I think they might have been quoting everything's permissible as something Paul had said to them in setting the church up. Do you get because if you try and if you've got a church who's getting legalistic, and a lot of the Jews, of course, who came to faith, came with a very legalistic background. Yeah? Now, it's possible that's one of Paul's stock phrases. And they were quoting it back at him saying, everything's permissible. Doesn't matter what I do. And, 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 and there's, oh, like all these things, there's a truth in that. Don't push it too far. But not everything's beneficial. Paul says. You're not under law, you're under grace, but, but that's a grace to live the way Father wants you to. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach, he says, and stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. So again, maybe quoting something they've said or something he's said. And in a sense, Jesus says that. You know, It's not what goes into a man that defiles him, is it? So you can eat and drink what you like, can't you? Well, this is not easy, is it? It's not easy. You love God and do what you like. Put God first. If your heart is absolutely set on God and you like the things he likes, then it'll be okay. But, of course, we're never quite in that. We're always in a mixed place and we're always being pulled and Satan's trying to trip us up everywhere. <gasps> And people do drink too much and become alcoholic and stuff. Paul says, he goes on there, he just goes on. The, the body's not meant for sexual morality, that's his main theme here, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By the, his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he'll raise us also. He's going to go say more about this in chapter 15 of this chapter letter, about the bodily resurrection. The resurrection that we hope for isn't just a, a, a spirit continuing beyond death. It's a bodily resurrection. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's a new transformed body, but it will be a transformed body. As, again, C.S. Lewis says, you know, angels understand smell, but they don't smell. I mean, I smell at the moment. That's because I've been running around. Angels understand things, but they don't see and feel and touch. At least that's our understanding anyway. We, we have these embodied things. It's fantastic. And it's part of who we are. Do you not know your bodies are members of Christ himself, he says? And comes all that thing about the body's been a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the place, unbelievably, and you too, team, where God's Spirit chooses to live and dwell. Woo! Look after it. How it behaves matters. Now, again, in our culture, it's so easy to... To, to just worry about that. There's people who get involved in, you know, fitness programs and weight loss programs and, and all those sort of things and good living and, and superfoods and that stuff. I mean, bad stuff, but it's, that's, that's not what it's about. What it's about is loving God. 
But in doing so, it matters how you behave. It matters how this stuff behaves. I'm in control of it. It's me, but it matters to God. And sometimes, you know, over history, the church has got that wrong. I want to go back to 1 Corinthians, though, to land. You don't worry, come to land. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Duk, duk, duk. Good man. Give him a round of applause. Well done. Um, <laughs> just at times when I'm preaching like this, I feel out to choose random verses and see how fast I can find them. <laughs> like Johnny chooses random songs and makes me, you know, like, you know, Zachariah 2 1. Oh, no, don't do it. Uh, get rid of the old, carry on, get rid of the old yeast, that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. Woo! <laughs> do you get the, the picture? He's using the picture of a little bit of yeast mucking up a batch of dough, or making it leavened or unleavened. It's the picture from Jewish uh, tradition, of course, uh, from Passover, being unleavened bread, get rid of all the yeast in the house, all the leaven in the house, and you have unleavened bread. But a small bit of yeast in a bunch affects the whole uh, a lump of dough. Yeah, agreed? And he's saying, get rid of it. What he's saying is, I think he's saying it, both in the church as a whole, he's saying in terms of your discipline as a community, for goodness sake, you have to deal with this stuff. It isn't easy. There'll be problems. In the case in Corinth, it was pretty obvious, and, and, and they had ducked it, but it's not easy to look after each other in love. That's what we're called to do, though. but also in our personal lives. A little bit of stuff that gets in the way is so easy to drag us down. But he says, put away the leaven, the, 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 the yeast, the bad stuff, the sin, so you can be totally open for God as you really are. You see, that's what God, I want to land on that truth, because the truth is that that's who we are. In Christ, we are forgiven. Amen? We are raised with him and sit in heavenly places. Amen? We choose sometimes to uh, depart from that and live as if we're not. And the Corinthian Christians were in some ways. And he's pretty harsh on them. He's an apostle, admittedly, and he's able to do that. Um, you know, it's much, yeah, absolutely clear guidance from the Holy Spirit for it. Be very careful myself getting into that place. But for me personally, I don't want to be in the place where I'm not. I want to be consistent to who I am. It's not that I try hard to be God's person. I am God's person. It's not that I have to behave the rules to be saved by God. No, no, no. It's by grace you've been saved. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and liberty. Brackets, everything's permissible. But I want to live who God has made me to be. I want to live in the place, the tension between and the spiritual reality, and the world I'm in, but in the place where the reality of who I am in Christ becomes the reality of who I live and you see. There is no but greater compliment that you pay, I think, to a Christian than when someone says, I see Jesus in your life living. Because that's what should be happening. And it's not just a negative thing. This, this text is all about a particular negative thing, but it's, not about, it's all about positive things too. Living not just not doing things wrong, but also doing things right. Loving God and showing that love in the way we are. And there's a tension there. And I think 
this is Chris Clare, not, I think, the text, but I think some ways, sometimes, I think Paul here is more legalistic dealing with the Corinthians because they're a young church and don't have understanding. And I think sometimes a few rules aren't a bad thing to get us in the right place. that makes sense? Like disciplines for Lent. There we go again. Sorry, God, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and nothing. But sometimes little rules help us sharpen up. Saying, I'm gonna, I'm going to get up 10 minutes early each day this week and pray. Does it matter when you pray? Does it matter when you read your Bible? No. And does it matter if you don't read your Bible for a week? No. Do you get? But sometimes I think little rules that we set ourselves aren't bad things to get us into the place where we live, love God, and do what we want. Woo! Is that too heavy? Do you, do you get that? On Thursday last, um, youth was on Mark 13. Mark 13, signs of the end. It's a hard passage in many ways. Um, but if you're going to be a church that really accepts God's truth, you have to preach the whole gospel. And sometimes it's easy to miss this stuff. And skip through to the beautiful stuff in 1 Corinthians 13. When can we get there? <laughs> when can we get away from sexual morality and get to... It's all part of the same truth. Let's stand. Let's stand. Johnny, John, come back. Restoration. So discipline whenever God disciplines us, whether it's through him directly or the church, always towards restoration. And and on that tension between law and grace, we need to be clear where we stand. Holy Spirit, if you need to speak to anyone here, particularly now, just do it graciously and gently. Father, I recognize that whenever your Spirit speaks to me and convicts me, it's always gentle and specific and towards restoration. And whenever the enemy speaks, it's always general and condemnatory (laughs) and makes me feel bad. And we just reject that. You have no place here to condemn us. Holy Spirit, you're here. But if there are gentle things you want to probe, that's fine. We take that. Because we want to be your people. We want to be in the place, Lord, where we're living as we really are. As the people that you made us to be. Forgiven, alive with you. Loved by you, absolutely. And in your presence. And for our fellowship. And for our home groups. And our net groups. And our friendship groups, Father. We want them also to be places where we are open to what your Spirit's saying to encourage each other. And we open ourselves up to that, God, as well. I want to be, I want to be open to people challenging me too in this fellowship of love that we share. Just take a moment's quiet, and then I have no idea what song John is going to sing. He has no idea either, that's okay. So we'll take quite a long moment of silence. It's fine. <clears throat> Just do any business you have to do. I think the, the, the healing well is here um, during this next song, whatever it is you want to come and pray for, that's absolutely fine, particularly the healing things, be that mental, physical, or whatever, spiritual. It's absolutely fine as well. But I think the response is just quietly to let the word land. Not, please do not end up in any way 
feeling guilt here. Guilt is always the enemy. Conviction is sometimes of the Holy Spirit. Bless you, God, for your forgiveness. Bless you, Father, for your love. Thank you for the greatness of your mercy. Even me, Jesus, thank you.